Eight Australians per day are dying by suicide. I mean, that's a national emergency just there. Can you imagine those statistics in any other illness or disease being swept aside? And it's the number one cause of 14 to 54-year-olds, males. The isolation and loneliness play a fundamental role in being a factor of suicide. And I hope that we can really keep this conversation going and make sure that, um, that we keep talking about it, that we keep raising awareness of how we can change, change the, way, um, the way suicide is viewed. I've got an interview now that I recorded yesterday. Um, it's an interview with Tom Harkin, who did a show called uh, Man Up. He's an international speaker. He runs groups of all different sizes and ages through authenticity, honesty, and a unique conversational style of facilitation. The result is a refreshing dialogue that gets to the heart of the issue, enabling us to build a new capability in the form of applicable emotional intelligence. That, you'll understand what that means by the end of this interview. And that ensures meaningful change. He's also a very new dad, so I thank him once again for the interview today. I apologize for the quality of the audio, but don't let that distract you from the essence of what he's sharing. There's some really gold nuggets in here. Tom, welcome to Triple H. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, um, I love the blurb that I was given about you, being saying that your passion is rewriting the rule book on masculinity for, by creating spaces for deconstructing cliches and courageous change. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's not a bad job. I've obviously been an avid fan of the ABC's Man Up show. I think it's a great start to open up the conversation. Um, and, and I hope that by doing shows like this, what we're going to do is, is keep the conversation going just that little bit longer and maybe take a little bit deeper. Yeah, great. So one of the things that I noticed in the class that you did with the young people is that you created a very safe environment uh, so that they could actually open up. Was that specific to that age group, or do you need to do that with every age group that you work with? Uh, I think you need to do it with every age group. Uh, it's one of the most elusive things that I find to working with people is getting to the truth. Um, and that's, that's, that's often something that people can't actually show you by choice. It needs to be created um, in, a, in an extraordinarily safe environment where people begin to talk in a way that often they haven't before. They haven't heard other people talk that way and they find themselves speaking to their peer group and, and they're also, you know, they're surprised, you know. This is stuff that they haven't spoken about either. And the, the, the most important thing to be able to create that dynamic is that they feel that they will be judged for nothing that they say. And, and I'm not heading in there as a facilitator or a practitioner trying to change them necessarily. I just want to create an environment that gives them a choice about where they head from here. I think it's very rare to find an individual that relishes the opportunity to walk into a room and, and be told how to live. I think very few of us want that, you know. I think we want to be autonomous and we want, you know, we, we want to be the hero of our own story. We want to discover the answer. We don't want it to be handed to us. And so mm. it's important to create an environment where... Um, you know, you can put all of the pieces out on the table, create a really honest dynamic so the truth is, is out on a platter in front of everybody. And from, 
from my findings, most people willfully jump at the opportunity to make a discovery for themselves and a change for themselves. Uh, are there things that you've noticed in, say, the the most common stereotypes, I guess I'm asking mm-hmm. about, that you've seen in some of the young boys that you've been working in or the ones that are in school? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think it's the, the stereotypical um, stereotypes. The, the great thing about young people is the, the thin veil at that age. Um, it's not as heavy set as when mm. when you meet them when they're older men. Um, yeah. it's, it's in its embryonic stage. But the gist is that men are strong, men aren't weak, men, you know, don't have emotions unless anger. Um, they sort out problems quickly and swiftly and they don't labour on things or over-talk. Um, they're fun, they're messy, um, they're hairy, <laughs> they <laughs> Um, you know, it, it, it's almost ridiculous, the, the, um, the stereotype is ridiculous and, yeah. the, and, the, and, and how common it is, you know, across the country, wherever you go, the same words are said. That must be interesting because you work internationally as well, so I can't imagine yeah. any different, whatever country you go to, they, they still yeah. think men should sort out their issues quickly and That's efficiently. It. Yeah. Yep. Different by degrees, but, but the same essence is there. Um, in the work that I've done in Ireland, um, you know, the, their culture is a bit more um, poetic than ours. You know, the, the, there's more acceptance of men singing, writing, you know, they're an expressive culture in that sense. They're lyrical. Um, mm. But the same essence of the masculine paradigm stands, you know, that men suppress their emotions in those cultures they're they're there to be strong not to be weak and so vulnerabilities off off the cards um the the same stereotype holds it's just a little bit um it's form is is slightly different slightly softer slightly more healthy to be honest yes they allow at least that expression of creativity that's it and it's a norm to be able to articulate your emotions but the interesting thing is whether they actually use that ability that they have. So oh. in working in Ireland, um, one of the things that blew me away most was working with these young people. It's the same inability to express, the same fear of judgment, of being truthful about what's going on for me and who I really am under the surface of a, of a limiting stereotype. Yet when they decide to talk, their articulation of emotion is mind-blowing. Like I found myself writing notes of the way the kids were articulating themselves because it was so impressive um, and so inspiring. Whereas I find in, in our culture in Australia, we, we have much more limited vocabulary when it comes to emotions. So you're battling two things. One, the you know removing some of the um, hold of the stereotype that says not to express. And then two, even having a vocabulary that allows you to be able to express yourself once you've made that choice. So may I ask, moving forward from that point, if, if what we apply, what you've observed in Ireland back in Australia, if yeah. we can educate that next generation to be emotionally literate, to understand what an emotion feels like in the body, um, yeah. what those initial reactions start to feel like, we can build that as a known experience 
then again, it's up to them whether they use it. But given the opportunity to use it, they're going to actually be able to process things far more quickly. Entirely, yeah. Mm. So it's a, it's a much easier gap to bridge. If you've got the ability, um, then, you know, then, then choice is um, your only obstacle. And, uh, we know, when we look at situations like anger management, uh, self-esteem, not getting into cars with people you don't want to get into cars with, mm-hmm. getting into situations, mm-hmm. you know, if you can express yourself, that is the key to being able to get out of those situations and potentially still have the mate at the end of it or, or maybe influence the mate in a way that takes them away from that decision. Yeah, I completely agree. So how can fathers be good role models for this emotional intelligence? Wow. Um, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, only, I'm I, I, only a new father myself. But okay. um, one of the things that surprised me initially when I was running a lot of the um, work with boys, and maybe it shouldn't have surprised me, but um, but it did. It, it was the power that older men have with, with young males. Um, you know, whether, whether young guys openly express um, their admiration for older men or not, I can tell you from working with young men, it is incredibly strong, probably stronger, a stronger driver than their peer group, um, which I found really surprising. Um, so in, in that sense, I think that older men as a whole, whether it's fathers, uncles, older brothers, um, coaches, you know, whatever form or role that that older male takes. I think the important thing is to embody the change that um, that you're recommending to a young man. Yeah. And I said this on the documentary. I think that so many, you know, fathers and older older males and role models wouldn't think twice before they said to a, a young guy, well, yeah, I want them to be able to express themselves. I want them to be able to talk to me if they've got an issue. I want them to be able to reach out and ask for help. Um, I don't want them to feel that they need to hide it from me or that they're going to be judged. Um, And the thing that I said to Gus is, you know, we need to be asking, are they willing to do those things? You know, are our fathers and uncles and role models, are they able to admit their vulnerability? Because young guys look, you know, they, they look at action and they look at embodiment. And so if they've never seen their dad cry and they've never seen their dad admit vulnerability and they've never seen their dad talk about any issues that he's struggling with, what example do they have to follow? Yeah. So the father can say, yeah, it's really important that you do these things, but if, if their dad isn't actually exemplifying them, then, then they don't know how. It's too far. Again, it's that gap. It's too far to jump. Um, yeah. So that, that's the only thing that I could recommend is step into the vulnerability, step into the awkwardness and, and understand that um, your son won't define you through a moment of tears. It'll just humanise you. You'll still be judged on your enduring patterns of behaviour, not on one moment of vulnerability. That's beautiful because also what you're saying is you've got to walk your talk. You do. 
entirely. Your son defines you, even listening to you, perhaps what you've been doing is not walking your talk. And you've been saying one thing and doing another, and they're going, okay, well, I'll go with the bit that you're doing. You know, you're saying, actually, if you can show that you're human and you're vulnerable, you can also be a strong man and a leader and a beautiful husband and father, then that's what they grow up, knowing you can be all of those things, not... Entirely. And and that, and also that it doesn't need to be ready-built. In terms yeah. of you don't, you don't need to be, you know, a master at expressing yourself. Um, even better for for young guys to see older men grappling with this, with these new and and um, and green skills that we haven't had the chance to practice because the stereotype yeah. hasn't allowed it. So yeah. let's fumble through it together and try and work it out together and call out the awkwardness if it rises, but don't let that stop us from connecting with each other and expressing what's going on because we know that that's hurting. Us. Thank you so much, Tom, for taking the time to talk to us. No worries at all. Thanks for having me. There you go. Tom Harkin.